This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's a scene almost out of the movie Shawshank Redemption, when a criminal locked up in 1916 admits to a crime that he committed back in 1910. Welcome to the story of Burt Dudley, Johnson County's first real criminal. Well, it is the Halloween season. Let's talk about something spooky and scary, and that is a serial killer on the loose in Johnson County back in 1910. <laughs> I think you, you, you kind of chuckle about that because in 1910, Johnson County wasn't all that big. And to have a serial killer on the loose, how did nobody find this guy? I know, right? Well, I mean, and you have to really consider the population of Johnson County at the time, which was teeny, teeny, teeny tiny compared to today. So like it was 480 square miles and the amount of people that live today in Prairie Village, Kansas, which is 6.2 square miles, is equivalent to the entire population of Johnson County. So slim pickings when it comes to murder suspects, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's not like you could go somewhere and hide out for a few days and maybe nobody notices you. I mean, this was a vacant land area that we're talking about back in the day, back in 1910, when Burt Dudley was basically running around committing every crime under the sun and somehow continually getting let out of jail, like whether he was in Missouri or whether he was in Kansas, it seemed like no matter what he did from bootlegging to murders to whatever the case may be, this guy was always getting let out free. And they finally, you know, let him out maybe one too many times because yep. he is kind of, you know, linked to, to a, a terrible serial killing that we'll get to. But why was this guy constantly let out of jail for committing <laughs> all of these crimes? Like, what were these states thinking back then? Well, I guess Kansas, you know, had a little looser policy than they maybe do about crimes in our area today because he definitely got away with murder, pun intended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's, I kind of want to back up just a minute, you know, just some basic information about this guy, Albert Dudley, who was known as Bert. And Burt's born in 1886 in Freeman, Missouri, which is a very small town in Cass County. Uh, he has two other siblings. He's raised by his maternal grandmother because his dad's kind of a, what my, my mom and grandparents would call a ne'er-do-well, right? The guy never had a job, didn't hold on to one very much. So his father, Barnett, after he lost his wife, essentially you know, uh, leaves the family behind, like let grandma take care of the kids. So... You know, Bert does, in general, stays off the records until about 1907. The first time I really caught up with him in 1907 is he's getting married. I'm like, oh, okay, that's positive. Uh-huh. Uh, 21 years old, getting married to an older lady um, with two children and settles into Junction City, Kansas. So he's kind of, again, this guy's going to be one of those that uh, would have hopped a lot around. And, and that you find in transient workers, especially at this time period, 
especially if you didn't own your own land and you were trained as a farm laborer, they went where the work was. So for whatever the reason, he's in Junction City, meets this lady, gets married, which is fantastic. But then two years later, Bert, you know, his little spirit runs, runs heavy when he's arrested for beating his wife. So that, you know, whatever. So he's a wife beater. That's Uh awesome. Um, He gets locked up in jail and he escapes jail. He, He breaks out. They can't find him. So they eventually arrest him again, you know, eventually, you know, throw him in for a couple months and he's fined 30 bucks and then he's on his way. So 30 bucks, quick jail record, no big deal. I don't think Bert cared about, I don't think he thought that one day we'd be able to track him like we can today. That's for sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1910, in March of 1910, he somehow, he somehow ends up at Hutchison. So again, here we go with this whole, you know, bouncing around. He's now a bootlegger, not too surprising given the time period and we know kansas was dry anyway i mean even pre-prohibition so kansas he's in he's he's bootlegging so he's going to be on the on the kansas side more than the missouri side at this point because i think he's really making his living you know off off the booze he gets arrested spends a few months in jail he's released on bond um case gets delayed for some time so he kind of goes missing, I'm going to say, in this, this 1910 period. You know, um, Bert, I'm not going to say cleaned up his act, but he certainly was not in jail, and he certainly disappears, and that comes into play, of course, later. Like, where was Bert when all this other stuff was happening? So basically what we're, we're looking at is if this guy isn't like a ward of the state, we don't know really where he is or <laughs> what he's doing at, at that point in his life. It just seems to, to, to be mm-hmm. like he he essentially is going from crime to crime to crime and trying to kind of just stay one step ahead of it. I think that's a great way to put it because, you know, one step ahead in, in trying to make the best of whatever the situation was. And I, not to try to defend Bert, but there were a lot of people in dire circumstances during this time period. It's not like he had probably the best upbringing. He was doing the best he could you know, got involved in some things he shouldn't have been involved in. I'm not trying to like beating your wife, like, right you're not taught that. So, I mean, I'm not really sure what happened there, but in general, this is, um, you have to configure that when I'm looking but at when you're raised without, you know, the proper upbringing and you right. don't know how to properly treat women and things mm-hmm. like that, that, I mean, that is part of your upbringing. That is part of who you are. It is. And, and he also, you know, might've burned a schoolhouse down at one point. I mean, there's just some things in his past that I'm not, you know, maybe he just didn't want to go to school. I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot of things that, that of course make me scratch my head. We have to consider though, at the time, and when we're looking at records today, of course, they didn't think, you know, they weren't thinking ahead to, to 2020 to pulling records about their past. We don't have a lot to go off of. You know, you didn't have a driver's license. Um, mug shots were brand new. Mm-hmm. So um, fingerprinting was even in its infancy. So the way that, you know, uh, bureaus conducted their investigations was a hot mess. So being able to track him, if you go through census records every 10 years, this guy's transient. I, I'm, I barely find him. I mean, I'm kind of glad he committed some crimes because I can track him around. But yeah, I mean, he, he definitely was an interesting dude. So by a year later, so 1910, you know, that I told you kind of disappears. By, but May 1911, he's back in full effect. Don't worry. So he's back to his old ways, arrested for Injunction City for being drunk. Uh You know, again, a crime. I mean, by the way, you could be arrested for pretty much anything. There was no, you know, they didn't have to have much of a reason even. Uh, He said he was traveling around the country um, with a team of people, which I equate to, again, a bootlegger. So he's going around doing the rounds, selling to whomever he can. Sure. And then uh, January 1912, he's arrested for bootlegging. This time in Topeka. So again, got to, he's all over the place. 
And by Jan- or by December of 1912, this is a great story because, you know, then you go, what were you really thinking? You know, he's married, right? And he's sure. got two stepkids. She, she's back in Junction City And he's who knows where at this point in time. <laughs> exactly. just, I mean, does she even know where this guy is, you know? Hell no, she doesn't know where he is. I mean, and at this time, think about how it wasn't that great or easy to get a divorce. You had to have real reason. I mean, mm-hmm. even even beating her wasn't enough. They're like, don't do it again. You know? So she, she didn't even, you know, file for divorce after this whole beating incident happened. So in December, 1912, he pops up again. He's run off with a 16 year old, poor little Amanda from Mm -hmm. a small town. He's 26. He runs off with her, takes her to a hotel in Emporia. So again, new area. He gets tired or he gets a little tired of her after a few days. He's like, eh, I'm done. So he leaves her behind. He like had his way with her and then bails on her. She didn't want to say anything. She's 16. Her parents are looking for her. She's freaked out. And finally, like the hotel keeper calls the, you know, finds out what's going on. And now they're looking for Burt Dudley. He denies anything and he gets charged with rape. Mm-hmm. So rape's actually kind of a big deal at this time, especially when you're talking about a 16 year old. So things get a little, little dicey there. So he's locked up in jail. And at the same time, and I like to say apples do not fall from the, the far from the tree, as you said Correct. before. Mm. So his father pops up in December 12, 1912. He's living in the Kansas city area at the time. It's called Holmes park, which is, if you know where the Home Depot is at 71 highway and Bannister road. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. That used to be a little, little uh, hamlet i'll call it it was um where all uh, eh, you know some one the best area of town. Right, i'll just right. say that um shacks and shambles but mm-hmm. you know you congregate where you can so anyway uh, barnett had been remarried at this point he's living there with his two-year-old son and his wife and he thinks his wife's cheating on on him with a with an 18 year old named charles mcgee so he invites him over to play some poker of course there's booze involved just all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, it's like in the middle of a poker hand. He just gets up, shoots Charles, and kills him. This shoots is, old Chuck right in the yeah, head, huh? Da- done. Forget wow. it. And and think about this is this is Bert's dad. <laughs> he's like, well, yeah, he, I mean, he's locked up for you know rape. So yeah, you know he can't go to the you know he can't he can't be part of the uh, the action at this point in Kansas City. I mean, it's unbelievable. So he shoots. He not only shoots this guy and kills him. He also shoots his brother-in-law. Guess he was just mad at the whole family. I'm not really sure. Then he goes outside. He actually aims the gun at his son, and then the gun jams. So he actually doesn't kill him, but he runs off, Mm -hmm. and he ends up kind of on the edge of Swope Park near Blue Ridge. And there was a railroad crossing. This is before you had, you know, the automatic railroad. You know, the the gates go down. And so uh, I, the the attendant there is the flagman, as they called him. Kind of looks at you know this guy who <laughs> looks looks a little disheveled, probably because you just killed somebody, and um, and looks at, looks at him and says, you know, you know, what's this guy doing? And Barnett's response was, well, why don't you flag me? You know, why don't you let me pass? Kind of thing. Right. And, uh, you know, suspiciously, the flagman says, well, you didn't ring your bell like a car would have a, you know, a horn. And uh, Barnett says, well, I'll ring it then. Takes out the gun, shoots himself in the head. Boom, done, yeah. dead, dead. The end. <laughs> That's it. So, so Bert Dudley's old man is now dead. He's, he's a goner. And, right. um, and, and, and you got to remember, you know, funeral service, I'm sure it was, it, was, it was not largely attended, but it was certainly not attended by Bert because mm-hmm. Bert's in, in the slammer, right? Bert's still in jail. <laughs> in, yeah, he's in jail in Hutchinson. Um, so he's sentenced, believe this. So Kansas tries to do the right thing. Kansas sentences Bert, you know, 
who just lost his dad to five to 21 years in prison. Mm-hmm. At this point, his wife finally files for divorce. So she's out, you know, like, good job, lady. Get out from this guy. So in the summer of 1914, he's released after only two and a half years in jail. Mm-hmm. Two and a half years. Like, Kansas what? did a really good what? job of just letting this guy back out onto the streets. I mean, it, it, it's yeah. really like, you know, you don't want to blame the system in something like this, but this guy clearly needed to be locked up because he was a, he was a legit menace to society doing all this kind of stuff. I think that we still do that, don't we, in some regards? Yeah, People sure. People let out on a bail and, and things mm-hmm. happen. I certainly don't understand it. It gets worse, Bob. It gets worse. Mm-hmm. If I mean, this is just one time he should have been held. Right. You know, I mean, summer, he gets released in 1914, back in trouble again immediately. He ends up bailing. He goes over to the Missouri side. So he's like, Kansas, Kansas is on to me. Right. You know, and he's out on parole. So, you know, he goes over to the Missouri sides and, of course, eventually gets in trouble again. And he's arrested for more, you know, crimes. And then he breaks out of jail again in Missouri. And then where does he go? Because he's stupid. Goes back to Kansas. He goes back to Kansas. So now this this guy's like a fugitive in two states. Right. And this yeah. is, of course, you know, this isn't federal breaking of law at this point. This is just, you know, so it's considered petty crime. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't killed anybody that we know of. That we know point. of yet, yeah. Right. So he ends up, he's found in Hayes. So he's like so he's all over out the there. Place. So yeah, like Hayes, <laughs> yeah. Kansas, back in the, in the 1910s, is pretty much the end of the end of civilization. I mean, in, in the right. United States with the expansion westward and all. I mean, you're on the you're on the edge of the frontier back then mm-hmm. in, in Hayes, Kansas. Yeah, and, and he the the best is he's arrested there in Hayes, and this is what identifies him. They don't know. There's no papers again. Like there's mm-hmm. no driver's license. It was his mugshot in Missouri. So his mugshot is what caught him in Kansas, but he'd already been arrested for something else. But they put two and two together because of identification by facial recognition. Right. I mean, like you would think before 1915 that that would have been a thing. Right. But it really was pretty new. So he's found in Hayes. I love this. He's charged with white slavery. You want to take a stab at that one? <laughs> white slavery. Yeah. What, what? What is that? What is? What is? What? What? Back in 1912, 1914, what is considered white slavery? White slavery is prostitution. Oh. So he's arrested with a lady and a lady of the night. So he wasn't sort. the prostitute. He was. Well, he was the pimp, probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, that or, would, or maybe not. You know. We don't know. I mean, but but essentially, that's what the definition of white slavery is. So, mm-hmm. so I mean, he no crime is too good or too bad for this man. He's just all over the place. So, white slavery. He had a girl with them. So he's got a parole violation now. So they're going to put him back in jail. So right. they they send him to Lansing, like right around Christmas time, like Merry Christmas, go to Lansing. Right. So he has to serve apparently again five to twenty one years. He only served two and a half. You'd think like they wouldn't do anything stupid, but Kansas, you know, you know, I I love you, Bob, but Kansas mm-hmm. sometimes does mess a lot of stuff up. Oh, so I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, I think we're on the same page with all of this. <laughs> Not absolving Missouri of anything here, but, you know. So 14 months later, he's pardoned by the governor of Kansas. And how does this like this continue to get pardoned, though? I mean, you have to wonder, know. like, what was going on back in the mm-hmm. day? I mean, you know, were prisons overcrowded back then? Did they need the bed space? Did they need the, the mess hall space? Like, how do you pardon a guy that has such a history of stuff? 
Again, I you don't know, know like, how at that at that point in time it just it, like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make sense how like we pick and choose who we're going to pardon and get rid of or, or, or keep in jail I should say and let people walk free. This guy had no business being on the streets of any state, I even agree. Missouri. I well, we don't we don't want him in Missouri. You can have him in Kansas. Yeah, I mean he made his infamy in Kansas, so you can claim him. He might have been born in Missouri, but he did his real bad stuff in Kansas. It's really hard to know. And, and when, you, uh, when you asked to be pardoned by the governor, one of the things that the criminal had to do um, was uh, put notices in the newspaper to let people know that he's requested this pardon. And it gives a chance for people, witnesses or people, you know, the, the victim of the crime to come forward and say, we no. don't want him out, no. right? Well, I mean, she was 16 years old. That girl that he was found with, the original crime, was 16 years old. She was married about four months after she returned home. She found the first dude to marry her and make her whole. You know what I mean? Sure, So I don't know if she was necessarily running out to testify. I I think that probably had a lot to do with it, but it's hard to know. I did find, you know, that he had pled and, you know, uh, around places in Kansas that it was put in the newspaper to let people know. And, you know, he did... his victimization was pretty small at this point, you know, mm-hmm. and they don't, they only know, you know, about the girl and a bunch of bootlegging at this, right. point. At petty, this point, petty theft. That's all they know. So of course, I guess they decided it was a good idea. He was better served on the outside. I think we can disagree or, you know, disagree with the state of Kansas sure. on that one. So of course he gets released in March, 1916. And unfortunately for us, Bob, he ends up in Johnson County. Right. Like, kind of close to home. Freeman's not too far, of course. But, uh, you know, he ends up working, finding a job as a farmhand. That's, you know, going to be the easiest form of labor. Maybe he was trying to stay straight. He probably had an agreement that he had to stay straight. Mm-hmm. Um, also hold, a, you know, a job, right. um, a legal one <laughs> that can be traced. So he ends up working as a farmhand. So he gets a job at a farm working on a 160-acre farm. So that's a pretty big slice a big of land. Farm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is at current day 199th in Antioch. 199th in Antioch. Yeah. Subdivision right now or something like that. It actually isn't. I drove out there three years ago. It's still a farm and there actually is a current house exactly where the original house would have been. Probably built on the foundation of the original house. It's not an old house, but um, yeah. So 199th in Antioch. So Stillwell is probably the nearest town. Okay. Okay. So he ends up in the summer of 1916 working for this family and it's a, they're a single couple or, you know, they don't have any children. Mm -hmm. Um, Henry Moeller is his name. He's 55. He's born in Wisconsin and his wife, Gertrude. Gertrude. Yeah. Well, 43 year old Gertie. Yeah. Gertie, exactly. She looks like a Gertie, too. Yeah. I do have a picture of her. In any case, he's working most of the summer, but he gets sidetracked mm-hmm. because it's Burt Dudley. He got sidetracked. And uh, he decided he was more interested in a lady living mm-hmm. in a hotel in Stillwell. That sounds suspicious to me. Cause she's, sure, it does. What, what's a lady doing by herself in a hotel? Right, right, right. White slavery. I don't know. So he, he ends up, he's like, I'm going to get a room there, too. So he ends up staying in this hotel and he's distracted by this woman. And, um, but unfortunately, you know, something happened. Uh, Bert, you know, we're not real sure. Bert shows up in Bucyrus, Kansas, which is about seven miles away from the farm. You, mm-hmm. You've probably been there before or been through it at some point. Um, he shows up on August 22nd, 1916, Bert does, at a grain elevator with a bunch of grain, wheat and and grain. He wants to make some money. Mm -hmm. And the guy that works the grain elevator looked at him, 
kind of suspiciously. And he, he said, you know, what's your name, sir? And he said, my name's Henry Muller. And the guy like, mm. no, I know Henry. Right? <laughs> well, it's, there's not a lot of people. Right. Very small area. Right. <laughs> and if he didn't know him, he probably knew of him. And this is a 25 year old guy posing as a 50 plus year old man. Mm-hmm. Probably didn't work out so well for Bert. The guy just knows he's like, something's up. Something's up. And by the way, why are you driving in from Johnson County that far for great? There's other grain operators. Right. So, you know, he didn't go that far, but he didn't, he didn't go too far, but he didn't go far enough. That's for sure. So the guy got suspicious. So he calls Olathe, which is going to be, of course, the county seat. That's the sheriff. So mm-hmm. he calls Olathe, calls the sheriff and he says, this guy, I, you know, he went this direction. He said he was, you know, molar, but it just didn't look right. Something's going on. Well, they found, so the sheriff catches up to him the next day, catches up to Bert at the boarding house. And Bert said that the molars, when he's asked like, where, where, you know, where are the molars? You said you were the molars. He's like, well, I was working for them, but they, they went off to California. The guy's like, I feel like we would have heard about this, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, is that how small it is where everybody knows yes. where it's going all the time, right? So if, if, if this Moeller family was off to California, there probably would have been some kind of going away party, load up the wagon and see them off type of deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, you know, hopefully they could afford a train ticket, but you never know. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you, you have to figure that the suspicion level had to have been just like, like, are you this dumb, mm-hmm. right? But I think that part of it goes into... Olathe is the town. It's the big town. And so they're going to not just talk to this. And he's a, you know, transient worker. So people know of this Burt Dudley, but he's not recognizable. Right. Um, but Henry Muller had been around a long time. And everybody he's knows recognizable. Who Henry is. Yeah. Right. So now and, he's and raised he, suspicion. Like you're saying you're Henry, but we haven't seen Henry in a while. Where the hell's Henry? He had, nobody knew where Henry was. And so of course the sheriff, you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure this one out. Where's his next stop going to be? He's going to go to 199th in Antioch and, you know, to the farm. So it's really, really, really hot outside. It's August. (laughs) So, you know, August in Kansas with no trees at the time. Awful. Right. So he goes out to the farm and immediately smells something just rancid, like horrible smell, horrible smell. It's been sitting for a while. And it's, you know, it's like, it's not livestock. It's like rotting flesh. It's not good. So they follow the smell. That's, I mean, they essentially follow the smell about a quarter mile from the house in a storm cellar. They open up the door and they find poor Henry and Gertie Mm -hmm. Muller dead and not just dead, but like dead, dead. Like, like there's no recovery on this one. And they knew immediately. Oh, Bert Dudley. Well, I mean, how, how, I mean, right unless right. he happened to know or maybe he's an accomplice but but what is interesting is that he's cut co- the, the victims are covered with hay and that mm-hmm. becomes important later they're covered with hay now yeah. i mean i don't know in a storm cellar why would you need to cover somebody with hay i mean eventually they're going to be found right sure right and i mean so that's an odd thing and then also both were shot yeah. okay but not just shot that wasn't enough apparently so he shoots him and then they notice that an axe was also used. So, you know, happy Halloween, everyone. <laughs> right, yeah, no, happy Halloween. So they, 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 they find Burt Dudley, they get him, they pin the murders on him, he's thrown back in the yeah, slammer. Well, and this is really where the story gets pretty interesting. This is, yeah, so this gets interesting. So they both were found with smashed heads in, even like the roots of Mrs. Moeller's hair were like pulled out, like it was oh, bad. God. So I just want to make sure that you understand this wasn't just like, 
boom, boom, done. Right. Well, Bird immediately confesses. He's, he confesses. His story was that he was hunting and Mr. Moeller was plowing mm-hmm. and they got in an argument over something stupid. Like I swear to God, it was about mules or something. So they get in an argument and he says that, that Henry Moeller pulls a knife on him and comes after him. Well, he's got a shotgun cause he's hunting. I don't know what you're right. hunt- None of this makes sense, but he, so he ends up shooting him and then he's like, Oh, I just shot somebody. Right. So, so then he's like, got to go explain to Gertie. Gertie's in the house. So he goes inside the house and he's like, I just shot her. And then he takes them, he drags them out and he ties them up to the a horse and drags them a quarter mile down to the storm cellar. Mm-hmm. Nice dude. Right. Yeah. Right. So you can imagine that he has confessed and the population is worried. We, now we know the track record of uh, Kansas in general when it comes to crimes. The community is thinking he is not, I mean, there's no, I mean, there's, there's no way he's going to get what's, what she should for right. his crimes. So a mob of 60 people, and there, were talk, there was talks about it in the papers for a couple of days, a mobs of 60, mostly from Stillwell, go to Olathe, Kansas on September 20th, 1916, broke down the door, overtook the sheriff, pull out Bert, and then drive him down the road. They take him to the middle of nowhere. It's, it's really dark outside. There's no street lights, of course. And they find an electric pole. This is it near day Black Bob today. Just to give mm-hmm. you an idea. This is, by the way, the name of the street, Dudley Street. Oh, Total wow. coincidence. Yeah. Totally a coincidence. Not named for Bert. <laughs> I would hope or his not. family. <laughs> I think they changed the name shortly after. Like, eh, we probably yeah. need to get rid of this street. Anyway, they they take them. They take a noose. They tie like they throw it up there. They they tie him up. They string him up, and they shoot him. Mm-hmm. And there's 60 people. And I mean, the only lights are the headlights of the vehicles. And then they strung him down. They took him down. They left him for the sheriff to find. They never convicted anybody of the you know of the. Of, killing Bert at that point. Um, Coroner inquest that I did read, um, 12 gunshot wounds to Bert's body. So they made sure he was dead. Mm -hmm. Um, Nobody. I mean, that's really, that's really like, you know, you you always hear about these court trials of like the public versus that that this really Mm -hmm. was the public versus Bert Dudley. Like they really got justice. Yes. And this was frontier justice style. This is a, this is the public deciding to do their own trial jury and uh, we're going to kill him. I mean, mean, the fact that they they broke into a jail and stole Mm -hmm. this guy from prison really tells you how secure prisons probably (laughs) back then too. It's like in some guy's basement, you know, we got Bert Dudley back in the house today. Seriously. I know. I mean, and and I don't know how, I mean, how complicit was the sheriff too? Right. He probably was not. I mean, he saw what happened to these people. Mm -hmm. Like this was not just like, Oops, I shot someone. This is like, I mutilated people. Right. So, uh, so after Bert's killed, he's buried in Olathe Cemetery. His family, his, his siblings won't claim his body. Oh, no, they got no interest in claiming <laughs> that guy. Right? They're like, Why would you though? We're going to cut the tie here. Right. Yeah. Gonna- so, so in any case, very interesting fact for you is that this lynching was the only documented lynching in all of Johnson County. And it was the last ever lynching in the entire state of Kansas. Mm. right here in our backyards. Right. What, what a thing to be known for, right? Correct. <laughs> so what was it? So now we get to turn to, but what else could have maybe Bert been involved in? And so some things come out after his death. He's already dead. 
and, and all this. So there's nothing for anybody to like really benefit from telling information because they, there's no, there's no trial, right, you know, so, so he was locked up in prison in, in Olathe with a hog stealer. So real petty crime. Oh, there, yeah, hog stealer. Stealing the bacon. Named Fred Sickler. Mm-hmm. So Fred Sickler was his cellmate and he comes forward after the, after Bert was already killed and says he, that he confessed to a murder that, that the whole community knew about from 1910. It was the Bernhardt murder. Okay. So he's like, he told me he did it. And what he told them is very interesting or told this guy, he he says that Bert told him that he wouldn't, he didn't make the same mistakes with the Mullers that he killed that he had with the Bernhardts before, because with the Bernhardts, he made the mistake of letting the mail pile up, which alerted the neighbors that there was a problem. There was something wrong. So with, with the Mullers, he went back and got the mail every day. So he got the mail every day. Imagine back then the only way to cover your tracks was to make sure the mail was taking it, right? Exactly, exactly. So he, so what's up with this crime? So we have to talk about the Bernhardt murder. That's right. actually even worse than the other murder I told I just talked about, if that's possible. So in December of 1910, and this is discovered December 10th, 1910, which I'd like to point out is two years prior to the exact day that Bert's dad killed himself after killing someone, just mm-hmm. kind of a weird factoid for you, on a farm in the middle of Leewood today, 119th and Row. So like this is where it is. McDonald's Red Door Grill. There's the house sat at McDonald's. I'm not at, lying. At McDonald's. Okay. At McDonald's. Like if yeah. you go to McDonald's, you're at the farm. Okay. If, if you if you're in that shopping center and even to Tomahawk Creek and the whole area, right. not town center side, but that whole area is owned by the Bernhards. So we have to, you know, again think about how many people live in this area at the time. Mm-hmm. So Emmeline, born in Kentucky. Okay, she's 78 years old, born in 1832. She's an older, older lady. And her son, her adult son, who's never been married, mm-hmm. named George, he's 49. They, Emmeline had been married prior, and her second husband had disappeared for like 15 years on her <laughs> and returned, and she like was in the middle of a divorce, and then, in, and then he dies. So she inherits this big farm. So that's kind of, you know, that's how she ends up with this land. So they're said to be kind of strange people. Like the neighbors called them peculiar. Like uh-huh. they're just kind of odd. And, you know, I mean, an adult son, 49, not married, living with mom. Yeah, that's, yeah. Eh, a yeah. little weird. So, no matter how much you love mom at 49, it's <laughs> the last place you want to be. Yeah, exactly. So, the rural mar- uh, mail carrier, whose name is Earl G- Gray, go ahead, Bob. Yeah, make is an he obvious named after joke. the T or is the T named after him? I'm going to say that he's named after him. Okay. Maybe he's English. I don't know. Maybe. So he notices the mail is piling up. As I said, the mail is piling up at the Bernhardt house. And so something's you know, wrong. If you're not getting up. the mail back in 1910, then Big deal. Going Big. On. Yeah. Well, think about it. That's your communication. You know, everybody had the phones. News. Yeah, right. right. So, I mean, exactly. your newspaper, everything was in the mail. Right. All of a sudden, so, the mailbox is overflowing. You're going, mm, either they're on vacation or they're good. dead. Or there, or something's wrong, and and, yeah. and and people made announcements. They used to announce when someone was leaving town for two weeks. Like, I can you imagine putting in the newspaper today, "Hey, I'm leaving town for two weeks, and by the way, I live at this address." Yeah, you'd be <laughs> robbed in a, in a heartbeat. I mean, yeah. you, you, people would take over in a second and rob you. You would have nothing left when you returned. But that's what they did back in the day. So it's very communicative with your neighbors and things like that. Even if you're peculiar people, you still mm-hmm. talk to your neighbors. There had right. been disputes with the neighbors, but in any case. 
Postman Earl Gray notices the mail piling up, sees two guys who are, you know, locals who are working on the street nearby. Right. So he's like, guys, have you seen these people? And they're like, no. Well, hey, we'll, of course, they're like, hey, we'll go check it out with you. Right. Oh, yeah. Let's saddle up and go down there and check out what's going on. Of course. Well, let's just walk into this mess. So so they walk up um, to the long driveway. That's how these houses all were. So these, the long driveway. And they notice immediately that there's dogs outside of the barn that are like whimpering and they are like almost dead. Almost they even starvation. Been fed. They yes. Nobody's eating. Yeah. And of course, then they're like, what the hell? So then they hear the horses winning in the barn. So they go inside the barn and, you know, like probably going to maybe give them some food, try to figure out where the, where the people are. So they go inside the barn and they're suspicious. And, and Earl, the, po- the post, the postman moves some hay, just like, you know, probably to, for the horses and boom, dead bloody body. dead body. And he, I mean, he's like freaking out. And the other guys are like, Oh shit. Right. So as they're, as they're backing out, one of them trips over another body. Another dead body. So at this point, blood soaked, they thought first that first victim, they, they were like, that's not George or, you know, like they were like, who is this? So the first victim, the first one that they found was George. And they, I mean, I'm gonna tell you, he, he, he's, He's a goner. I mean, mm-hmm. axe. Yeah, axe. Axe, axe to the head. Day, and it's we got ourselves a pack. And it's been and it, luckily this is December, so bodies were they pretty smelling yeah, as right. much. Not August like it was the other one in the cellar. <laughs> yeah. you know? So maybe that was that was the other thing is it didn't smell like anything because it was probably really cold. So they freaked out. So they find another body and they figure it's Emmeline. It's mm-hmm. mom. It has to be mom. They're not going to stick around and find out. They're like out of there. So they bust out and they have to go find a phone. So they, they find the, you know, the neighbor, the quickest person that has a phone, which was near, nearer to Martin city. So about 45 minutes later, can you imagine like, are you call somebody? There's a tr- tr- double murder. We'll be there in 45 minutes. So 45 minutes later, the sheriff arrives from Olathe. The neighbors are already gathering word spreading. Well, yeah, spreading. Yeah. I mean, there's people, I mean, everybody's going to know real quick. So there's very little securing of the crime scene. So they go in, the sheriff's there, and he he looks at the second body. He goes, this isn't a woman. This isn't a woman. And so then, of course, you know, the crowd that's with him is like, hey, I know, hey, I know who that is. That's the, the that old farmhand that's been working with them. It was a 17-year-old from Rosedale, Kansas, who had been just working with them for a little bit. And his name was Thomas Morgan, goner, killed. Mm. No good. So they ID'd him, even with the wounds from the axe. So they investigate further, and they find a third body. And it's not Emmeline. So they find a third body, and it's not Emmeline. It's a man in his 40s. The locals called him William Graves. They found papers on him that said he was Glenn Cotner. I don't know, whatever, right. if it was Glenn or if it was, it was you know, uh, William, but another dude's dead. And all were killed with an ax. So they're like, we got to find Emmeline. So they go to the house. Sheriff leads into the house. They're searching everywhere. They go up the stairs and looking in closets, a closet right near the attic. They open up the door and there's 78-year-old Emmeline Bernhardt bloody and very dead she had been killed with with, uh, nearby i should say was a clock weight so she probably was the last victim Uh maybe the axe i don't know maybe it broke i'm not real sure but she was killed with a clock weight dead on site so they figured they'd been dead for three days oh wow 
So they found him on December 10th. They figured death was, and, and they're looking at the mail like they haven't gotten their mail right, since December days. 6th. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so there were a lot of theories. Many people were arrested. No one was formally charged with this crime. But you have to remember, Bert, you know, supposedly told this guy that, you know, in jail, that he was the one who did the Bernhardt murder. Mm-hmm. And it had been unsolved for six years, almost six years. And so did Bert do it? I mean, I'm going to I'm going to say preponderance of the evidence. Think about there's some similarities. The hay, the, hay, the covering, the axe. The yeah. axe. Right. Um, he's a psychopath. The fact His that dad was a psychopath. It, so, yeah, I mean, maybe that too. And, yeah. and that guy that was in jail would have benefited none from saying what he said because he couldn't testify. Bert was dead already. Right. So it, it does remain technically unsolved. Right. But to think about it, I mean, you're talking about a quadruple murder at 119th and Row. Right. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and today you just drive by like nothing ever went on there. And, and I, back, you know, 110 years ago, that was the scene of one of uh-huh. the worst crimes in, in Johnson County history. And we essentially have ourselves in, in, in Burt Dudley, Johnson County's first real criminal. And he turned out to be a real serial killer, didn't he? I think he I absolutely looks like he might have had six victims under his belt by the time he was killed. And to think this guy was just in his 20s. I mean, had technically his whole life ahead of him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as crazy it is, as it is to think that at 119th and, and Row, which I will never look at that intersection ever the same again. Right. I'm doing all this research. And I... I hope that our people listening are going to drive by and be like, hey, see that see that McDonald's right there? Quadruple murder. <laughs> Quadruple murder back in 1910. So to sum up our Halloween edition, yeah. I guess you could say we find ourselves our first criminal in Johnson County, our first serial killer in Johnson County, the last time a mob broke somebody out of jail and killed them in Johnson County. I mean, yep. Bert Dudley ran the gamut here, didn't he? He did, and he, he doesn't have a Dudley Street. So we, you know, unfortunately, he lives only on in the Popper Cemetery, unmarked grave where he belongs. Well, now you know the Burt Dudley story and the way that he kind of just ran all over the state of Kansas. Probably should have been kept in jail a couple of times before he was able to get out and commit those gruesome murders. Well, at least those alleged murders back in 1910 and 1916. That's Johnson County's first real criminal, Burt Dudley. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.